Hey guys, what's up? Thank you so much for tuning in to episode three of All Good. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode because I feel like it feels like how I wanted this podcast to feel when I first started making it. And I'm excited to see it shaping. Like it's it it's shaping into what I imagined it to be. And um, I think it's because of the guest that I had on. She's so phenomenal. She's a good friend of mine. It really just felt more like a therapy session. There's so much information in this episode. A lot of complaining, truly. Um, but my guest this week, she's been to Just for Laughs several times. She has a comedy special with Comedy Central Arabia. She's a writer for 22 Minutes, The Beaverton, and The Comedy Network. She has done it all, truly. Um, I'm honored to call her a friend and I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode. Guys, Noor Hadidi is on the podcast. So have a listen. Let me know what you think. And peace. On the judgment of strangers. And I can somewhat separate my act from myself, but to know that there's someone out there who doesn't like me as a person took me it was so hard but then you just gotta like live with it as an adult you know right that's what it is that's what I feel like when you're a kid were you ever I was I was kind of bullied in elementary school that's why we do this that's right and uh and it was weird as like I think that teaches you a lot I think everybody should get bullied at some point in your life like you need some humility in fact, if you want, we could start a bullying business, you know, just, yeah, just a little bit, not a lot, nothing yeah. physical, nothing too harmful. Just like, yeah. s- just small. I'll just post the yikes underneath a selfie that you post. You know? Yeah, that's it. Just like little microaggressions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if you've never been bullied, it's like a good skill to have, you know, to right. just survive that. Yeah. It's a, it's a big people skill. I think it prepares you for the real world. It does. I was like shoved into close I was shoved into walls and element like it's not I could have done without that I mean it wasn't that bad but it was like let's give it a break yeah when I was in elementary school they called me Jesus because I I used to wear my hair curly and now I have never curled it since you will never see a curl in my hair ever in public but I used to leave it wavy and I used to like mat it down with like dove gel because I just wanted my hair to be straight so bad but I didn't know how to use a straightener yet so I was just like it just it looked fucked and I definitely deserved it to an extent. And no, I would like walk by this group of boys. It's always boys. The girls were never that mean to me. It's it's literally always the boys. And they started singing Lamb of God, like a Jesus Bible song that we learned in Catholic elementary school. And uh, they used to sing Lamb of God. And I kind of liked it. I started dancing to it and shit, but it broke me. It broke me deep down, you know? of all you never deserved it they are a bunch of losers and also juliana what if you are christ and you're the second coming we've been waiting for and you know what of this okay i might be yeah i might be no drugs no alcohol i might i very well be like mary magdalene or some shit i'm probably connected if i did 23 and me it would just be just no results straight to gc baby what's that straight to gc baby yeah like you are a descendant of jesus christ yeah they would print the sheet out and it would just be like one bright light and they'd be like well it would be glowing with DNA. yeah that's right wait juliana i didn't finish my wall oh so oh tell me please oh my god how did this, we trail off this is okay so 
So we did the empty calendar, the pastels. This I got to take down. It's going. It's done. That should go. That should go. I have this, but I ruined it because there was a spider underneath. And I tried to get the spider with the vacuum. And then I ruined the thing. But um, yeah, this was a good one. This was a good one. This was up here. I love that you keep your own shitty drawings in your room. I love that you keep them up. I love that you keep them up because it's like... <laughs> I just feel like it's uh I I just I was just talking to somebody who does that too I did a really shitty painting the other day like I I because we were talking about it the last time I talked to you you're like you should try painting and I was like that's a great idea I, I'm gonna do that painted turned out like shit and then somebody that I was talking to today was like I also paint and I hang it up on my wall and I'm like yeah but you're not a professional painter I did this but I know it's not going anywhere so like, do you look at those drawings that you made and are like inspired to draw more or to get I better? Think, you know, you said they were shitty. These are, this is the best of the batch, Juliana. I want, these are the prize jewels. There are, <laughs> there are ugly ones that we don't even display to people, okay? That is the JFL of your drawings. <laughs> this is the JFL. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I just find that it's like more personable than a painting or like a photo that someone else took and I put in a frame like it's probably I don't know tacky or something but it's like me you know yeah, yeah it's just me and like um this is the first ever comedy show I produced and hosted with my friend Rachel okay was- I love that that's adorable I I'm behind that 100% I love that well, sentimental got- value yeah um and then these are um this is like uh, stuff that help. Basically, these are like, this is motivational. And then this is uh, what some goals I have to do every morning, day and week. And I kind of used that to get out of my depression last year. So I love that. Yeah, I found it really helpful. If every day, like I meditated, I had a plan. I woke up by a certain time. And then I go for a walk after breakfast. And then every day I try to, this was pre-corona. But I tried to write jokes, get on stage, have some physical activity, and then read a book. That's great. Yeah. And then in the week, I'd like try to reach out to family and friends um, and then get groceries, clean my apartment. And then every month I made it a point to have four days off because in stand up, we don't really have like a weekday or a weekend. Mm -hmm. And I call them recovery days, which was my therapist was really pushing me to do because she's like, you work all the time. And I would feel so guilty if I took one night off. So we kind of branded them as recovery days. So I wouldn't feel guilty about not working. Right. And so on those recovery days, can I ask, because for me, it's impossible. Like if people are doing shows and I'm not doing shows, it makes me feel physically ill. So do you just like stay off social media on those days? Stay off Facebook? Man, I don't, I don't, I should though. I really should. And here's the tip to have the recovery day, not be on a weekend because there's nothing, there's nothing more infuriating than being on your couch and seeing all the Saturday night shows and Friday night shows, people posting of all the packed rooms. Right. And you're just like, I need to go out and do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I feel like there's not as much shows happening beginning of the week, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's a good point. Social media is so bad for us. Yeah, it is. It is actually so, it is literally so bad. It's like, you need it. Um, you need it. I think it's an essential tool 
for people like us, because unlike, like there's some actors that don't have social media, but that's fine. That's net, that is not going to affect their career because you audition for your thing, but sometimes you will get booked on a show based on how many followers you have, or if somebody doesn't know, or, and a friend recommends you, they check out your social media to see what like shows you're up to and whatever. And uh, yeah, it's got a huge impact for sure. It's, It's a bittersweet thing. Yeah, because it's like you want to post videos of yourself, you want to promote your shows, you know, you want to post jokes that you thought of, but then it's like a daily comparison to how other people are living their lives. And also just like the news is so much to handle. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get on and it's like, oh, kids in cages, like, oh, like just one horrible thing after the other. And it really affects your well-being when if you didn't even go on your phone and maybe you check the news like once every two, three days, like you'd feel so much better about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 100% totally. I I do like Twitter because at least I feel productive on it. Like I'm writing a joke and it's getting likes. So like, I know the getting likes is unhealthy, but at least I can say, okay, I'm working on the skill of joke writing every day. Whereas with Instagram, I'm just like posting a photo for everyone to tell me, you know, to make me feel good, you know? Right. It's so hard to like delineate between those two things though, because at the same time, you're just like, okay, like you have to really, like with social media, it's like, okay, I'm on Instagram. Why am I posting this? Am I posting this because I want to get likes to create dopamine in my brain? Or am I posting this because there's a show coming up that I want people to be aware of? And is it like uh, coming from a place of like, you know, business never do as well. You know, the show posts never do as well. It's the dopamine that you get from people thinking that you're funny or smart or, oh my God, Colin Mockery just liked my tweet. I'm so sorry. I just, I know like in the middle of like, (laughs) he he did it right now, just as we're talking about this. Yeah. That's so funny. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, congratulations, Nor. I'm so sorry. I know it's I'm so jealous. Not now I don't want to do this anymore. I this is too much for me. See, now I have to get on Twitter and I have to go and make him follow me. Now. Hey, I got we got you Bonnie McFarlane. Okay, yes. that's a big one. Oh my god, Bonnie. If you're if you're listening, she's not. Bonnie, for you. We love you. <laughs> yes. I want her to adopt me. I literally want her to adopt me. It's I have like an unhealthy relationship with veteran female comics where I want them to legitimately adopt me as like their child. Okay. And mm-hmm. like take you up with them. Yeah. And like my daughter would like to open the set, my open for me. And then that's correct. You would tour the world with them. Just that's right. Them. Okay. And they would hug you and put you to sleep after your set. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> Tuck you in. Yeah. Like, your closer was great, sweetie. You killed tonight. Yeah. Isn't that what everybody wants? <laughs> forehead about your closer and then somebody to tuck you in. That's all we want. God, I want to be in a relationship so bad. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. Um, um, sorry. So let me just get back to this thing that you have behind you. Cause I think that's so important. Yeah. So do you have it? Is it a schedule? No, it's just, uh, like a list. It's three lists, lists of things to do every morning, every day and every week. That is really, um, important. So let me show you. Yeah. This board that I have that I bought from the Dollaram. I'm actually going to write that down after this. Yeah. Well, I wrote down like 
So at the bottom of this board, I wrote every day stand up two hours. What does that mean? Meaning like no matter what, you have to set aside two hours to write stand up. Whereas like when we went into the pandemic, I kind of fell out of that pattern. And I'm like, if I don't have that routine, even though shows are so scarce, if I don't do that every day, I'm going to feel bad about myself. And then that's going to create um, more hesitation to keep writing. And then it's just like a cycle. So I'm like, just break that cycle and jump into it. And then I wrote, um, I wrote something about how, like, I need to get out of my head more with like material and stuff. Cause like, before I even write anything down, I always judge it. And I'm like, nah, it's not going to be funny because of this, that, and whatever. It's like, just write it out and get it out of your head. Maybe like another idea will spiral off it. You know? Do you know what I find is very helpful? Yeah. Before you start writing on your phone, do seven minutes and do train of thought writing. So just write everything. Just don't put the pen down. It doesn't have to be a joke. It doesn't have to be even a thought. It could just be a string of words. Just like write it out. And then it lowers your inhibitions so that when you end up working on your act, you judge yourself less. You just let it all flow. And yeah, I feel like you're so hard on yourself. I mean, we've become closer recently and we talk a lot we yeah. uh call which each I'm other. so thankful for by the way like I'm I'm so happy about this friendship I, like we've always been friends but now obviously we talk more yeah. and it's just been so enlightening and it's it's just so encouraging every Aww. time I talk to you I feel like I have a mental breakthrough <laughs> <laughs> well I feel like you're just like two years behind me So like everything you're going through, I kind of went through and I'm like, I totally get it. I understand exactly what you're feeling. I've been there. I just have had to like get through it, you know, you know, and it's just like so nice to like, cause no one really understands what we go through, especially as like female comics. It's like the anxieties and the worries and the stresses and the, the, the hills we have to climb. And even when we talk about dating, you know, it's like, oh, I'll, girls like we talk about that but like to approach it from the comic lens is like so unique and it's just like something that not a lot of people will understand that's right that's exactly it I don't know where I uh, yeah but talking to like non-comedians I think I have like two really close friends that are not comedians and I only talk to them because I've known them like pretty much since elementary school and that's it but like talking to comedians is just the only way to to get through those feelings like I couldn't imagine talking to like a family member about any of this it's just it doesn't happen like I had a date okay and then I was like okay so I have a show should I cancel the show should I ask you to go on a different date and it's like I called another female comic and she was like no you want someone who compliments your life you know you're gonna say yes to the show and then you're gonna figure out the day you're gonna push it back you're gonna push it forward um they're gonna have to adjust because this is your life so that was a very enlightening moment and only another female comic would understand yeah oh that's you know? totally true 100 i i think i talk about it pretty much every episode whenever i have another female comic on the podcast i always talk about but so far it's only been you and deborah so yeah the two female comics that I have on the podcast. I love talking about dating because it's such a unique experience to be a female comic and dating. Whereas I feel like men are thinking they're less in their heads about it. Whereas like for me, that exact same thing crosses my mind where I'm just like, if I cancel the date and I go on this, then I feel like I'm putting my mental health and general well-being yes. aside. 
Yes. But yeah, you do want somebody who compliments that. Like you, I think the right person, like you, you won't feel that way. You'll just be like, oh, I can cancel this date and go to a show because this is not only is it a source of expression for me, but it's also how I make money. And this is how I put like food on the table for myself. So to cancel that would definitely like mess with me. So I, yeah. And like 100% and like, while you, that show may not be paying a lot, it's like going to lead to another, you're going to work on a joke that's going to lead to another booking, like a taping or a big show where that joke will have gotten better. You know, mm-hmm. there's, we don't do it for the money, but, and we do it because we love it. But like every set, matters yeah you know especially in a pandemic where it's like I don't know how many sets I'm gonna do before the year and so if I cancel this like I don't know when else I'm gonna get on stage yeah and you have to be like honestly it's like like you said it's self-expression it's cathartic like whatever I'm going through in my life I turn into a joke so if I if and it helps me be myself and I can't can't really date someone if you're not being yourself Yeah. I don't know about you. I only date online. Like that's the only way that I am able to talk to men is literally online. Like they're not, I don't know how people get approached at grocery stores and shit or like on the subway. It's like, I don't, I always look like I'm in a like rush to go somewhere. I look pissed off. I look genuinely angry. I always have my headphones in. Like my body language is like, fuck off, leave me alone. Get, get out I look like if you're gonna start talking to me I'm gonna spray you in the face with mace or something oh, like it's it's really bad uh and online like nobody asks you any questions about yourself and that's my biggest pet peeve like I was talking to this guy recently and it's rare to come across a guy that like first of all has any sort of interest in comedy whatsoever like most of the time they don't really go to comedy bar or, or like any shows they don't consume comedy at all this guy was like, yeah, I've been to comedy bar a few times. It's really cool, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll tell him that I'm a comedian because it sounds like he appreciates it. It's a big part of my life. If that goes well, maybe we'll go on a date. Um, I mentioned it to him. He writes back exactly word for word. He goes, sounds like you've got some good gigs. And then he proceeded to talk about how much he loves Louis CK. And I was like, <laughs> this could not have gone more sideways. Yeah. This literally could not have gone more sideways. The hope you had of like, maybe I'll tell him and then it'll go well. I've learned the hard way that you cannot have that on the dating app. You got to bring it to zero. Okay. And then it's like, it is a cesspool out there. It is it wild. Is. It is. Um, I'm so sorry that happened. But to be fair, I mean, Louis C.K. is great. I don't know what you're complaining about, Juliana. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I totally get what you're saying about, like, first of all, meeting people in real life can be really hard. Um, I don't understand the people who meet on airplanes. I'm like, get out of here, you know? I'm going through security. I'm sweating. I'm Arab. Like, I'm just like, oh, we met on a plane. I'm like, you really met on a Good for you. <laughs> I, I get, you know, I'm like struggling. I'm like, someone's in my seat. I got to kick them out. Like, it's just, so, life's such a struggle for me. And um, I've slowly learned to ask people out in real life. I feel like 
there's ways to do it. I feel like this is the best way is that you strike up a conversation. And then if you're able to follow them on social media and then like ask, like get us, get a thing started there. Like, and then if it, like, if you can banter with them in real life to have something to open with and then on the, I mean, the apps are terrible, but um, yeah, just have no expectation that it's gonna like, just like, yeah. I mean, it's like a numbers game, I feel. I mean, I'm still going through it like you. I mean, I tell you everything. That to me, like you're like a startup business. Like Like, you're a fucking entrepreneur out there. Pun intended. Oh my God. I've never written, I've never thought of that pun. Entrepreneur, that's beautiful. I think we end right now. I don't think we top this. I think this is it. Um, We should just end it here. Yeah. But this is the thing with the apps though. It's like when I first joined them, I would like, people would message. And then if I didn't get back to them in like literally 24 hours, they would unmatch with me. And I just couldn't understand it. I was like, sorry, I'm busy and I have a life, you know? So they would unmatch. (laughs) It's like, it's kind of this, like, you don't fire me. I quit kind of thing. It's like, relax, buddy. (laughs) So the ones that don't unmatch with you, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's a prince, okay? Yeah. He's, he's, like, he's not unmatching with me. He's being normal. I got it. This is the one. He, And then you go on the date and you're stuck there for three hours and you can't get out and it's terrible because he's just talking. They love the sounds of their own voice, these men. Oh, I'm going to bring a microphone to these dates just so I can get a word in. I swear to God, you know? <laughs> just so I can you talk. Put in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> stop sign <laughs> like a whistle <laughs> um you know what's so funny actually I was talking to one of my friends about it recently that we both love bringing men to the AGO can you stop. tell me why the AGO is like your perfect first date spot what is well, the what is it about the whole I, mean, I only went on one date on the, oh, to the okay. AGO. you're the master of the AGO I'm the master of the AGO why, so why did you go to the AGO? By the way, you don't have an annual pass or membership. No. Oh my mind. You know how much money you're spending, Juliana? One ticket is 25. The annual pass, 35. If you go on two days, you're saving money. You're saving money here. Membership, $74. You could get free coat check with the membership. Free coat check? I'm always like, I'm always going through. And it's always in the winter for some reason that I go to the AGO. It does actually, you know what? It doesn't even matter. I'm always sweating in the AGO. It's hot. It's fucking so hot and then I'm like scrambling for toonies and loonies like a loser in front of this guy oh my god this is so funny yeah so I um I recently told you I went on a first date to the AGO yeah it was nice um because there's stuff to talk about you know like if there's a lull in the conversation like you could just like go your own ways and like pretend to stare at the photo and think of the thing you said two minutes ago and wonder if it was awkward or not. That's right. Wondering if like his <laughs> nose being a little bit fucked up is like gonna overpower the yeah. rest of the date. Exactly. I always, I always, it doesn't even matter. I go to the AGO because I just like the way that the light, the light deflects off the floor. I feel like it's that studio lighting. Wow. Um, very strategic. I'm always thinking about like if it's a daytime date, 
then we're going to the AGO. If it's a nighttime date, then it's good. Nobody's seeing me in the daylight until it's too late. I, I need to like, trick you into the daylight. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so insecure that way. You're so beautiful though. That's what I don't, I don't understand. Want to see me in the daylight. God, no. Like, if no. an angel and Whitney Cummings had a baby, like you would be it. Yeah. What What are your other, so if you if it's a day date, you said AGO. And if it's a night date, like, do you just go to a bar? No, no. Bars are like, it depends. No, I've never gone to a bar on a first date. I've actually never gone to a bar on any date. I don't even go to oh. dinner. Like, I don't even go to dinner. I hate that. I usually for first dates, honestly, this is going to sound sociopathic. I like to just go for walks because then you could just be like, see ya, I'm going to go this way. Peace out or whatever. It could just be short or it could be as long as you want it. And if it starts out as a walk and you guys are like really enjoying your time, then you could be like, oh, why don't we check out this restaurant here? Oh my God, you're so smart. Whereas like so- if you're in a restaurant, you're like locked in for an hour and a half. Oh my God. Wait, so Juliana, yeah, do you do you do this in the winter time? Yeah, even if it's I like do, minus ten, out, you go over to like Nathan Phillips Square and be like, why don't we just go get a coffee and just like walk around Nathan Phillips Square? Places that are like you know nicely lit. There's things going on. That's really smart. Because you can yeah, leave. I just I hate dating. I honestly yeah. hate it. I'm just like I'm in it, but I'm trying to find a way out. Right. I don't understand the people who date like who are like talking to four guys at the same time or like even like who has the energy and the time not gonna afford so many people not us we don't we don't you're talking to the one person that does not do that <laughs> man it's like yeah I feel like people do that to like protect themselves and like I get it because if like one person is busy that week or things are like not going so well anymore, then you have other people to distract you and to talk to, but it just feels exhausting. And it's like, how could you remember what you said to one person and not the other? You know, if you're seeing them all in the same week or I don't know. I think that's so interesting. I think that's so interesting. And I love that quality in in people. I, I don't know. I don't want to like psychoanalyze it because I don't think it goes that deep, but I do think that there's something to be said. Like I would never want to date a guy that is like seeing multiple people, even though I don't know if there's a way that you would ever really know, because I feel like that is a huge difference in personality. And I think it's a difference in how attentive you are to like that one person. Do you know? You can't, you can't use it against them though. I will tell you this. You can't use it against them because everyone's doing that. And if you do, then I don't think you'll, you'll just limit the dating pool for yourself. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't that suck though? I, I, I kind of hate that because in my mind, I'm like, no, well, I'll just find somebody that doesn't, but well, it's like, no, you could be seeing other people, but if you guys click, then you guys will see each other more. And then I feel like all the other people will like fall off to the side. Yeah. Um, and then maybe you decide you don't want to see him anymore. And then you feel less bad because he's got other people, you know, that's true. That's true. I know, like, I'm still learning. You know, I feel like this is a situation where we're both in it together. Like we're learning at the same time. Cause I didn't date much growing up. I grew up Muslim and um, 
it was just, I was always, I was, okay. First of all, I'm a very shy person. Second, I felt guilty about it. And then when I was working in finance and doing stand-up, I had no time. Like I just wanted to quit finance to do comedy. And then I had depression. So like, there's just been a lot that I haven't reasons why I haven't dated as much. So I feel like I'm only doing it now. And it's really fascinating to me. You know, I, I would, I like, I'm very secure in my friendships and my career. And I'm like, I feel like I'm advanced with them. Like they're here. And then at dating, I'm like more down here and I'm trying to get it up to like this point, you know, that's why I'm my main bitch, Nor. <laughs> it's so true. And, um, and it's so frustrating. It doesn't it feel like you're just learning this new skill, like this new thing. Yes. It's like a d- completely different way of it's like a completely different world of like okay I don't even know how to explain it like you learn about how the dating apps work you learn about when you go on a date like um how to get out of it if it's not going well you can tell pretty much I think in the first 15 minutes if you want to hang out with this person or not you learn what you want in another person like communication you know how nice it is to have a guy be like just send you, tell you his availability. Be like, I'm free this day, this day, this day. And then I was like, and then follow up and be like, okay, so what were you thinking? I'm also available here. And to like communicate and make plans. It's like, I know it's the bare minimum, but it's so nice when they do it. It's like, it's just the communication. And you know what? A lot of, you know what I'm sick of though, Juliana? I'm sick of doing all the work especially early on. Like I just want someone to meet me halfway where I'm not the only one making plans and doing everything. Right. You know, have you ever, have you felt that? Yes. 100%. Totally. Yeah. And I love talking about this with you because I feel like, I feel like every topic that we talk about so far, I'm like, and I love talking about this with you. And I yeah. love doing this because on our, night, on our week, weekly phone calls, our weekly mental breakdowns. <laughs> yeah. For me, anyway, I, uh, yeah, totally. Like you, nobody wants to feel that way. Right. You want, I think like you just want an equal partner somebody who is like, here's, here's what I find interesting. Do you what? So I'm learning about this thing called like the four different attachment styles. So there's like secure attachment, fearful attachment, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Those I'm so fascinated by that. So yeah. with you, what is like the first quality that you look for in a partner? Like, do you look for like security or like safety? Like, how do you determine those things? How do you know that this person is like? I mean, safe? I'm still, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's a good one. There's people who like, once you're texting and going out with like you can already feel less fidgety about that. They're not going to like disappear and they're going to be nice. You know, like, I can, you can kind of sense that from how a person texts you back and what they say in the text. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, if they're responsive and they answer everything and they're very clear with their communication, I feel like it's a good indicator for th- that, what you're saying, the security and the stability, and you don't feel crazy. And I was talking to another female comic and she was like, you know, that crazy intense feeling? She's like, that's not normal early on. And it might be because, you know, like when we go through, things early on in life with our families like my parents got divorced and I was bullied like I'm kind of used to the chaos so the chaos is bad but it reminds me of when I was a kid so all these intense feelings and this chaos that I'm feeling it I think it's good but it's not and it's actually when you're not crazy and you feel stable and you're not worried if they're going to text you back 
that's actually normal. And that's the sign of a healthy relationship. But you don't, but you think it's boring because the chaos isn't there. Right. You know, and it's like, oh, is there a spark? Is there not? And it's like, just, I'm still learning, like I said, but I feel like we have to like give it time. Yeah. You know, here's a question I have for you. Okay. When you, because this is something with the apps, because like, you don't really know what the person, like their energy and what they're really going to look like until you meet them. So I have a question for you about attraction. Do you think that when you first look at someone, you can decide if you're attracted to them? Or do you think that attraction builds? The I feel like when I look at someone, I'm able to tell you everything about their personality, um, how this is going to start, how it's going to end, if it's going to be long-term, short-term, how we're going to break up. Like I full-blown psychoanalyze. I psychoanalyze everything, which is, and I feel like it's, um, it's, so for example, the, I think the best couple dates I went on was with this guy who was a personal trainer. And as soon as I saw that he was a personal trainer, I was like, that's fantastic. I was like, he communicates for a living. He's encouraging on a daily basis to complete strangers. So I'm like, that's great. And those are like two really important things. So it's like, those are already two things that I really value. And communication, everything was great. It didn't end up working out. Um, but, and it was on my end, completely on my end. Um, but I think that there's some things that you can predict from that, even from um, online stuff. I feel like you can try, but you won't really know until you meet them. Okay. You know, I feel like yeah. we can try and extrapolate based on. I think that's healthy. I think yeah. that's way healthier. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like um, sometimes when you date someone, you date who you think they are or, or who you want them to be. So when they do not, like when they're not nice to you and things end, it's really hard because you're not breaking up with them. You're breaking up with the fantasy that you, or the future, what you put on them. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you date someone for who they are and you get to know them and not think, oh, because of his job, he's going to do like this because he's an only child. He's going to do that. If you just get to meet them for them, yeah. and you're not blinded by the attraction. I feel like that's more healthy. And so when they do something bad, you're able to address it as opposed to kind of not accept it and wonder like, oh, why would they, that doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? It's like, oh, because you built this narrative of someone in your head that's right. not real. Right. So and then how do you, so I think that's really hard to do actually, if you're on dating apps and you don't meet somebody organically to not make those like, initial judgments, which I feel like for me, I think it's coming from a defense mechanism place because it's just kind of the thing where it's like, you know, when I said like, I know how this is going to start. I know how this is going to end. I'm predicting all these things just based on the shape of your face. It's a defense mechanism because first of all, that's not real. You can't actually predict any of those things. And it's just me trying to control the way in which you end up getting hurt, right? You're just like, oh, I saw that coming. Of course, I'm not stupid, you know? So I think those are all, so I think it's really good that you don't have that. I think a lot of people probably do maybe more what I do, but you kind of are like, you know what? Let's just see how it goes in real life. I think that's interesting. 
Well, I don't, I'm not always successful. I'll just say that. Like, it's not like I have it figured out and I, you have to get burned a few times before you realize what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think the most important word you said there was control because I'm like you, I try to control people and put them in boxes. I'm like black and white. You're either a good or a bad person, you know? And you can't, you can't, that's the one beauty about life is that you can't control it and you don't know where life is going. And that's the beauty of it. So you have to let go, you know, and I know it's really hard because I do the same where I'm like, okay, so this guy said this. So now, and that didn't end well. So if the next guy says this, I can't, it's not going to go well because I didn't learn from when it happened the other time, yeah. you know, um, life is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, but I have a question. When you, when you look at someone and you say, I want to extrapolate all these things, do they turn out to be true? Um, I think that sometimes, or maybe at least initially, because you're right in that it's like, if you, if you project that onto somebody, you will go out of your way to make the puzzle pieces fit. Right. You're like, oh, this person is like this, or this person is like that. I think maybe there are some, I think, I don't know if you have a type or not. I mean, I think that I kind of do, but like, not really. I don't know. I just like guys that look nice, that just look like sweet people. I don't know. That's just, that's just what I like. I think that you can pick up on that energy. I think you can pick up on that. Yeah. I seem to go for like a wallflowery guy because I feel like they're not as scary to date. Cause like, you know, it's not, I'm a very sensitive person. Wait, what do you mean by wallflower? not an elf like no I don't want to say alpha but like not an aggressive guy like a guy who like okay listens and sits back and is chill kind okay. of you know yeah but also I because a lot of the guys who I am drawn to are shy because I feel like it's a safer energy mm. to be around when they're shy and I'm shy that's the problem though it's two shy people dating no one's gonna ask anyone out that's, and yeah. that's and then I have to do all the work and I'm pushing myself and I have anxiety, you know, and I don't know what I'm doing. So it is nice when a guy, like when they let you know that they like you, it's such a relief. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they do some of the work, it's like, thank God. Yeah. I, um, I really just, I don't know. I have so many mixed emotions about dating because it's like, I say one thing, but then I do the opposite or like, I say that I'm looking for this and then I'm actually just like so flighty. I don't know. It's just kind of one of those things where I think if you meet the right person, it clicks. And if you don't, then like, you just don't, you know, as soon as I see signs that something is going south, I just like totally jump ship. Like, I don't like wait to figure anything out. Like I'm just gone. And what do you do? You just tell them that you don't want to see them anymore. Yep. Yep. Okay, so here's a couple of things. Yeah, I understand that sometimes you you're not compatible with someone and you don't want to see them and you don't want to hurt their feelings. And there's nothing that they can say to you that will change that. So like you kind of just want to end it. But I think if you're able to be honest, I think you should because it'll give the other person more closure, you will feel better about it, you will feel lighter, you know, and um, And also ask yourself, like, why do you keep ending things so quickly with this standard text, you know? Yeah, 100%. I, I, 
I don't know if it's just with like online dating. I'm just like you. Like I am just getting into like the dating scene, but usually it's like after two dates, I'll send a grandma text. Two? Oh, you don't need to break up with them after two dates. You can just stop texting them? Yeah, let it fizzle out. Depends. It depends on what's See, going on. I hate that. I hate the fizzling out because then it's like, okay, I know that you know it's fizzling out or like, I just hate the bullshit texts being like here's the thing sometimes if i if you're not feeling it the reason i say fizzle out is chances are they're not feeling it so you don't have to address it you can just let it fizzle out but if one person is more interested than the other and they're constantly texting you and they're like oh i want to see you or whatever i feel like that's an appropriate time to send a text and it could be maybe more honest and be like hey i had it was great getting to know you. I don't think we're compatible. Or I don't think we're on the same page. Like nothing against you. And, um, you know, good luck with everything. Right. You know, I feel like because it's more sincere. Yeah. And yeah, like and you don't have to send it, you know, like it, it's just all around nicer. It's more honest. It's like you have respect for the other person. You have respect for yourself. Grandma texts are not the way to do it. I have stopped sending them very recently because I have realized that. And it's very true. It's, it's being direct is like the best way. And it also just pays off for yourself in the long run to be direct in any way with, you know, anything. It's like, just be the best thing that you can be is honestly just direct and, and honest about yourself. Yeah. And it's because it'll come back. I really do feel like it'll come back to you. Like, if you're not honest, then someone will not be honest with you and it's going to hurt your feelings. So I just try to be as honest and it's not easy, but to be direct because being honest and being direct is the nice thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. This is the nice thing to do. And you don't have to say a lot. You don't have to give a lot of reasons. You're yeah. Just be honest. Right. That's 100%. I feel like I'm always afraid of that because then I'm afraid of them being like, like, because I've had it work the other way where I have been honest and they've been like, okay, well, um, I guess I'll just check in with you in six months when you're like less busy or whatever. And then I feel bad being like, no, don't check in on me in six months. Like I, I'm. I'm hope still. There's still yeah. hope that it could happen. Yeah. No, you got to nip it in the bud. Just nip it in the ass. Yeah. You know, like, the worst thing happened to me. I nipped one guy. I like went on a date and then sent me his number and I didn't text him he's like what's going on I thought I think I told you this I thought we had a good time and I was like hey it was nice to meet you but it's just I'm not interested and good luck with everything and then he was like oh well I thought we were just getting to be friends anyways but good luck with everything and it's like don't like just because you can't handle a rejection you gotta flip it on me like that's so shitty and it's just so typical it's just so typical siri show me male fragility (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's bad it's bad like that um i felt bad and it's like why are you making me feel bad i was just being honest and direct so like sometimes it'll backfire you know are you I have a question, not not to change it up too abruptly, but being honest and direct is is that something that carries over in your professional life? Like, are you very direct with people professionally? Do you feel do you ever feel any ways about that? Do you feel like you're coming off as like 
rude or like passive aggressive? I never, I, uh, I, I have the ability that no matter what I'm going through, I can be polite and nice to people mm-hmm. and niceness just comes naturally to me. My dad is a very nice person. I get it from him. It's actually hard for me to be mean and rude. Like it takes up energy from me. Um, yeah. And I try to be honest in my stand up as well. I try to write what I know and things that happened to me because um, people can relate to it. You know, there's no shortcut to comedy. You got to get on stage, but the more honest you are in your joke writing, the better your jokes will be. Yeah. I mean, more in the context of like emailing between you and agents, for example, are you, are you direct or are you more passive? Cause I am a passive person in fear <laughs> that being direct would come across as being, um, aggressive not rude but like maybe more needy or like I just don't want people to think that I'm complaining right but it's like being direct is not complaining it's not at all and I feel like as women we're socialized to be so agreeable and nice and to not bother anyone so I totally get what you're saying yeah I worked in finance for six years. So I feel like emailing and asking for things directly is just something I had to do in that line of work. So I kind of just shifted that to comedy and I'm just very direct in what I ask. And I'm like, hey, like, um, did we, like, I'm trying to think of things that I ask where it's like, hey, is this gig included in this payment? Like, I'll ask it. I'll just double check. I'll for sure say a thing, just double checking, you know? don't hate me. The subtext of that is, you know, I'm still a nice person. Yeah. Um, So I do do that. But yeah, I get what you're saying. And sometimes for me, it feels like having an opinion is somewhat rude, even, you know, it's kind of how you're made to feel sometimes of like, just like, yeah, just like, don't make a lot of trouble. Don't make a lot of fuss. Don't make a lot of noise. Just like do your show and leave. Um, but yeah, I try, it's not, and it's obviously depends on like this, the, the email you're sending. If it's just for a small thing, then it's fine. But if it's for a bigger issue, of course I have anxiety and I have, I read over the email five times and I wonder if I should put more exclamation marks, you know, and if I can make it nicer. So, you know what I've done, which is so unprofessional and I'm glad that I caught it earlier than later. And I'm also glad that the people that I was dealing with were like, they knew me personally. So like it, you know what I mean? And it's not like, honestly, it's not the worst thing I could have done, but I've stopped sometimes, sometimes not in like full professional emails where like this person doesn't know me, but if it's, if it's in any email whatsoever, sometimes I'll put a, a little smiley face at the end of it. And wow, that is so many levels of wrong. I just feel like it just says that, hey, this person does not think that they are capable of communicating effectively and therefore have to use, you know, too many, too many exclamation marks or like put a smiley face at the end of the email. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to do those things. Yeah. Having to, I want to come off as friendly before I ask for what it is that I beyond deserve yeah or I'm totally entitled to 
Yeah, writing smiley faces. Have you ever done that? Like put a little smiley face at the end? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, I hate that. Even in like Facebook messages. I've also stopped using the word just. Yes. I tried to stop using that in any message. I've also tried to stop using that in just the way that I talk. I use just a lot. Yeah, I was just wondering. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. just going to say, yeah. I was wondering. And I was just hoping. Better. Yeah. More assertive. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And it's not about being like, I'm the, I'm the boss or like, I'm entitled to do like, you don't have to write an email. That's just like per my last email. Yeah. Or something that's like, as I said, in my last email, like you don't have to send like a dick, but like, there's a way that you can just, you can just send a regular email without feeling the pressure to come across as like nice or sweet or like, Oh, she's just, she's just asking for this thing. Like, okay. You know? Yeah. She, well, she asked for it nicely. So let's give it to her. Mm-hmm. yeah you could just be like because it's also kind of demeaning to like the other person it's like you don't have to thank me so much like this is my job like are you trying to insinuate that like I'm going out of my way to do my job properly right right that's, that's a bit overthinking I will say okay maybe that's overthinking maybe that's, that's overthinking. too much but don't be yeah. beginning of this podcast which I'm kind of in, interested in hearing you said that I'm too hard on myself Yes, you are. That's interesting. What are you talking about? I know that it's true, but I feel like even though we're in the middle of a pandemic, it just feels like if you are not, like when I first started doing comedy, I felt like if I didn't put, if I didn't put an immense amount of pressure on myself immense. at all okay. times, there we go. All right. at all times, then that means that I was not going to succeed or that means that I was not going to meet my goals. And that is not true all that does is deter your mental health and happiness and when those two things go so does any sort of production so does any sort of creativity all of those things that you need to reach your goal go out the window so yes it's really important to keep yourself in check with being like if I don't feel like I'm depleting my health on all levels if I don't feel like I'm burning the candle at both ends and I'm not being productive enough yeah well, the self-critic thinks it's helping. Yeah. I read this, my therapist sent me this really cool article that I'll send you. And it was about the self-critic and the three things it aims to accomplish and how it's doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in a, like, I'm exactly in your boat where I was like, if I don't punish myself for a bad set and for bombing, if I don't learn from it, then I'm never going to get better. Yeah. And in fact, when you love yourself and you're kinder to yourself, your comedy will soar. Yeah. Your career will soar. You're stopping yourself back in that misery and in that judgment and in that self-criticism because it thinks it's helping. It thinks it's pushing you in the right direction. And it's probably, um, you know, a voice you've had since you were a kid, you know, when you're parents or your teachers are like oh you could have done better you should have done better you should have worked harder it's like society tells us that all the time so you kind of absorb that voice and then you say if I push my if I make push myself none of you can push me if I push myself hard enough none of you can say something about me but the self-critic is there and it is not good yeah good yeah 
or it's like you say those negative, like if you have a bad set or something, or you, you mess up and then your brain starts going through all of the things that you think either people are going to say about you or that yeah, like, it's like, if I, if I mess up, like for example, sending those emails, if I send like a little happy face at the bottom of them and I send it and then I look back on it and I think it, I just start running through the checklist of things that like this person probably found wrong about it. And that like, Oh, everybody knows the secrets out. You don't know how to send emails, you know, just so that you're not surprised if something bounces back. Which Juliana is so exhausting for your brain. It's like you're punishing yourself all the time over the smallest things, over an email. People send emails with typos all the time and we don't judge them. And I feel like you should start to ask yourself, okay, you're, I'm your friend. Ask yourself, if Nor sent an email with the smiley face, would I judge her for it? You say no. no. Yeah, of course. You're so much kinder to other people than you are to yourself. Yeah. So just try and treat yourself the way you treat your friends yeah because I guarantee you you're you are you are it is like like it's exhausting yeah you're beating yourself up every day over every action yeah especially yeah. when our job is to get up in front of strangers and make them laugh like we already have a hard enough job don't make it harder for yourself That's and good. I know it's not easy and I could talk at you all day long but like yeah, if you do like daily affirmations, that would really help. And yeah. like, whenever you hear the thought, try and block it and try yeah. and be like, no, nope, fight it. No, I'm no, I'm good at sending emails. No, nope. yeah. or just I'm go fine. defense mechanism. Yeah, there's, Those there's no defense. just a defense mechanism because you don't want somebody coming up to you being like, hey, Juliana, you send really unprofessional emails. And then it catches you by surprise. It's like you want nothing to be a surprise when it gets to you. Yes. So it's like, oh, I'm this, I'm that for sending a happy face at the end of an email. I'm probably this, you know, just so that nothing comes as a surprise. Oof. And what a way to live that is. What I know, a way right? It's and so it's crazy. Like, let it catch you by surprise because chances are it's not going to catch you by surprise. No yeah. one's going to know it. And you would have not had all these thoughts and you would have had a clear mind. Yeah. Yes. I used to be the same where it's like, I wanted to know like information that would hurt me. And then my therapist was like, why? I was like, so I could be prepared. If anyone brings it up, I'll know what to say. And she's like, trust yourself that you'll know what to say and don't listen to the negative stuff. That is so important. Trust yourself. Mm -hmm. Trust yourself that you will know what to say. Yeah. You know yourself. You're a good yeah. person. If anyone says anything bad, because if you hear the bad information, you're going to like run it in your head. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to cry. You're going to wonder why these, whatever it is. But if you don't hear it, it's fine. Yeah. I know, I know who I am. And another very, very, very important lesson to know in life is that you are not the opinion of someone who does not know you. Yeah. Someone who does not care about you. You are, you are not those two things. If someone yeah. who does not know you has an opinion of you, that is not real. They don't know you. Yeah. And even more so if they don't care about you, if they don't care about you, they're going to say not nice things about you because they literally don't care. Yeah. Whose opinion should you care about? The people who are close to you, your friends, you know, your family, like, well, I don't know how you feel about your family. I know you were close with that. It was yours. Uh, <laughs> it's a tricky one for people. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Your stepdad picked us up from the taping. So that That's was nice. fun. Well, in front of a 24 hour a W where we almost got COVID from two crackheads. That was really scary. That was honestly fucking scary. I feel like you and me are both very similar in those like panic situations where like we both are just like trying to be not confrontational. It's like, I just want to get out of this A&W yes. with two men that are yelling without masks on. No masks. Oh my God. It was scary. And I think they, one of them like tried to psych us out. Like he was just like, you're going to get COVID. You're going to get, and I was like, oh my God. Yes, I will. I will. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the COVID. Oh my God. I am not worthy. I am not worthy. Let me run out of this. It was one entrance and exit and we had to run out of it. Yeah. But also I should say to all the people listening that you know, congratulations on your first taping that night. That was so exciting. Thank you. I, I at least mention it every episode, just in case, just in case, just so that everybody is aware. Yeah. Um, thank you for, you know, being my support system through that. That was honestly, like, it was just such a treat being able to perform with you and for you to be there during my first taping. Like, it was so nice. It was so Aww. nice. Yeah, I'm so we were friends with everybody there, but I wasn't like close, close with everybody. Yeah. So it was just really nice that you were on my night Aww, and on my show. So yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so happy we got to experience that together. I was so in my head before, during and after my set. And I caught, cause you were on right after me, you closed the night and I was kind of like, you know, when you get off stage and you're like, okay. So I, I only caught the, I think this, like the second half of your set, but you looked beautiful. You looked so cool and chill and relaxed. Like yeah, I look cool and chill and relaxed. Those are the three things that I ever, because I'm not those things. You, you know, I'm not those things. I'm so neurotic. All I want to be is like cool, chill, relaxed. I just want people to think I'm, I, that's how I want to seem. It's how it seemed. I'm telling you. And before we got like closer, that's what I thought of you. That I is- want to you're putting on a great facade for the world. No, you're fooling all of us. She leaves shows as soon as she's done her set. <laughs> it's because she's cool. She's got places to be. She doesn't care how she does on the lineup. She's chill. Okay. Yeah. It's like, oh look, she's leaving comedy bar early. It's like, no, just to get reception <laughs> and text you about how much I hated my own set that night. Why? Okay. Why are you oh why do you why are you so critical of every set? Not that I'm like critical of every set. It's just that like, but like, I don't totally hate my set. Like I'm not this like self-loathing, like fishing for compliments. Yeah. And I don't talk to people openly. Like I've only started talking about it more now that this like podcast, because it has to do with like wellness and stuff like that. But I just think that for me, it's like, if, if my set does not exceed my expectations, I'm not happy about it. You know what could be helpful is if you have markers for success that are more healthy for a set. So number one, did I have fun? Yeah. Number two, did I try out a new joke that I wanted, that I wrote this morning? Even regardless of how it goes, if it goes well or not, at least you tried a new joke, Mm -hmm. you know? Like just things that are in your control because you can never control the audience. This is something I learned in therapy too. It's like, why are you placing your happiness in the hands of a group of strangers? They may be having a bad day. 
So why is your happiness and your self-worth lying in their hands? You know why? Because I feel like it goes deeper than that psychologically because it is something that we, because you're like, if they don't like me, then that can affect uh, potential money that I could be making, which would affect... How? How how is them, you having not a killer set affecting you making money? Well, how did the two tie? This is one show in a bar that no one's going to remember. You're working on your ass. That's a great question. Like the gravity that you attach to a set, I wonder where it comes from. That's, that's That's a really good point. I think if I didn't attach so much to it, then you would have a better time. Yes. You know, you'd feel looser in your mind and then, and then that translates. Yeah. It's, it's so true. It's something that I'm working on uh, for sure. I've been told that several times, like people have been like, you need to, you need to get out of your head. Um, well, it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. And I think we're all like that. I feel like comedians, start from that place and then just like work out of it yeah i feel like i've kind of had a breakthrough this <laughs> this session i'll charge you for i'll invoice you later for this therapy session please do no i feel like i relate so much i relate to every single thought you have and like because i was literally there in 2019 like the beginning of 2019 and it's taken like two years of therapy and for me to change my relationship with stand-up and change my goals in stand-up they used to be tied to um, accomplishments or decisions other people would make. Like if I got into a festival, you know, and if I got this and if I got that, and it's so empty because you get it and then you crossed it off the list and then what? Right. And what if this year they don't want you at the festival? Okay. So then like your whole happiness is going to depend on whether one person books you or not. Mm-hmm. And that's not why you do comedy. You do comedy because you love it and you enjoy it. So I had to figure out like, okay, like what do I want in comedy? I want to have an audience. I want people who come to watch me. I want to put out an album. I want to enjoy what I do. I want to be a good comedian. I want to like, I have goals for myself that I can maintain. And no matter if anyone gives, if I get booked for something, that's the icing on top. But you do comedy because we do comedy because we love it not for any accomplishment, not for any festival. You know, the wonder that you had in your eyes the first year of stand-up when you would just watch people do it well and all you wanted was to be good like them. Like that's what it should be all the time. Yeah. Where you're like, I can't believe this host is so good at crowd work. I want to be like him. Like, and you didn't know about any bookings or any festivals or this. I feel like we get caught up in the competition of stand-up and and who gets what and who books thing. And listen, the money's great. Like I've been doing stand-up full time for a while. Whenever I book something, I'm so grateful because I'm able to pay rent. I'm able to live. So it's not like I'm saying it's not important. It's it is, and it's also can be fun. It's creatively fulfilling, but it shouldn't be the reason you do it. The reason you do it should be the joy of jo- of the simple act of joke writing and coming up with an idea and having it become a fully fleshed bit and then figuring out exactly what the wording is and how you like that's where the joy should come from otherwise there is no point doing this that is so true and uh 
and you brought up a really good point is like sometimes it's hard to delineate between those two things because you're like well I like joke writing and I like doing this but it's like how long before I can finally make a full-time living off of this but depending on your lifestyle and like your living situation it's like I live like right now I live at home mm-hmm. I could make like zero dollars off doing stand-up for the next year and be like well I do comedy full-time it's like yeah, yeah, bitch, you live at home. Yeah. Like, you have no bills to pay. Yeah. So it really just depends. And, and you're right. So, yes, that, that's so true. And sometimes you have to remind yourself. It's like that at the core, um, you have to just do it because you love to do it. Because everything else is like, you're trying to hit a moving target, you know? Exactly. You're trying to, that's so beautiful. Try to hit a moving target. It's a losing battle. Yeah. And um, I get it. We all have sacrifices for comedy, like you know, you're living at home, there's people who have roommates, there's people who work three jobs, like, there's, what, this is the thing, when someone posts, when a comedian posts about getting a special or an accomplishment, what you don't see is all the sacrifice that goes into that, of, you know, if they have a day job using all their vacation days for comedy, you know, and just like, not going out with their friends and just going out and doing stand-up every night like there's just so much that sacrifice that goes into it that you know um but especially because we're in the arts it's like you know the people don't don't really re- see they just see oh this person got that or they're writing on this and it's like yeah but there's so much that went into yeah that accomplishment right it's like yeah but you didn't see like me bailing on family dinners and parties and yeah important recitals and shit you know to like get this and it's similar to that episode that you and deborah had on your podcast where it's like i don't want to do this so i haven't dated it's like i got a comedy like 2020 vision like I yeah. caught it 2020 vision. Sorry. ESL, ESL. Sorry to all the listeners. Oh, you know what? Made sense to me. Made sense okay. to me. Tunnel vision. Tunnel yeah. vision is what I meant, you know, of like and comics who break up with their partners for comedy. And it's like just so much that goes into it that, um, yeah, people like, and I, that when you were talking to Deborah, that really resonated with me. It's like, yeah, like I just got a sec- I got comedy secured and locked down until I can think about seeing anyone. Yeah. And also, like, who I don't like, who wants to see someone who's gonna cancel on them, like, for a show, you yeah. know? Yeah. So you also, it's the balance of like meeting someone who's gonna, like we said in the beginning, compliment your life and understand that um, this will most likely always come first. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's so true. Um, what time are we at? How long have we been talking for? We've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes, I believe. Okay, great. That's been, it's, it's been so nice. I could keep talking to you for forever. Is there anything you want to bring up? Is there anything else you want to touch upon? Man. I always love circling back to dating because I don't know for me. And it's just a, I don't know. I, see, I'm already in my head again. I'm like, somebody's going to listen to this podcast and be like, Juliana, literally all you talk about is like dating. It's like, first of all, that's not all I talk about. Love, 
dude, people love listening to dating. When me and Natalie do our We Will Date You show, we sell out. Yeah. We people love it. Whenever I post stuff about dating on social media, people love it because it's relatable. Every song on the radio is about heartbreak. Yeah. Every movie is about dating. Like people love it. It's fine. Okay, we're talking about it, but people love to hear about it. Yeah. I just think it's a universal problem. And I think that everybody kind of has that issue where like there have been times that even if you're not a comedian, it doesn't matter what it is that you do, your job or your school has gotten in the way of dating or vice versa. And I just think it's such a specific thing to talk about women in comedy, especially and dating. It's just such a, it's such a fascinating topic to me. I could talk about it all day. Yeah. Because guys want to be the funny one. It's so hard to, and I will say on all these apps, there's so many guys who want to be comedians themselves. Yes. Right. And it's like, if you want to be a comedian, go do comedy. Why are you telling me this shitty joke? Why are you telling me what joke to put in my act? Yeah. You know, you put, do you put that you're a comedian on your dating app? No, I say TV right. writer because comedian yeah. too many, too many shitty responses. That's right. Yeah. Too many shitty responses. Um, or like, yeah, they look you up before you even message them. Yeah. That's weird. I put, yeah, I put TV writer too. I hate that. Is there ever, sometimes like if I say that I am a comedian it's like I, I don't expect any sort of grandiose response you don't need to be like let me look you up or like oh I can't wait to see a show of yours it's just be like well wow, that's really interesting or you don't even have to say that's really interesting sorry just be like that's great it seems like you're really passionate about it why don't you tell me about it yeah and then like treat me like a human ask me about my job way yeah exactly yeah. oh my god can I tell you some of the responses I get? One guy said, I looked to your stand-up up. Your jokes are good, but your delivery is very timid and it could be better. That's one thing one guy said to so me. infuriating. Yeah. It's so infuriating. Um, one guy was like, oh, you're from Jordan and you're a comedian. Here's the question. Has anyone from Jordan ever been caught smiling? You're a very serious people. I was like, oh, okay. okay. Thank you. And they scar you these these messages. I remember them. I remember them word for word. Can I tell you something? Please. Okay, I'm just gonna go on a little final rant here. It's about um, okay, so I have been getting into crystals lately. Yeah. Any any man that has been watching this podcast has now officially shut it off. They've <laughs> <laughs> just been like, yep, that's it. They're like, see you later. See, I've got some crystals here. Um I was talking about this with one of my friends recently and I don't know how this ties into anything that we've been talking about. I just thought I should bring this up to you because it just crossed my mind. I think that crystals, people that hate on crystals, first of all, um, I feel like just hate how it's now this like commercialized thing that like teenage girls get into just for fun. Mm -hmm. I think that a crystal, it, for example, let me just give you an example. Let's say I look at this crystal and it reminds me to be present. I don't think this crystal is magic. I don't think it possesses like magic qualities that are like hypnotic and put me under some sort of spell. I think that what it is, is like a temporary way for you to train your brain mm. to, to work on, like some people put reminders in their phone 
And like, if somebody is meditating, I will put a reminder in my phone and be like, be present for like 30 seconds. But if carrying this crystal around reminds me to do that anyway, instead of maybe putting it in my phone, I just have it in my pocket. It's just a temporary, it's not a long-term thing. I think crystals are actually very healthy. And if used correctly, can actually help you reprogram your brain and set those reminders for that, for that to become automatic. So I don't need to be walking around with a crystal in my pocket. I never saw it that way. Yeah. It's just, it's just a reminder for you to, you know, whatever it is. It's not like, I don't think it's fucking magic. I don't think it's going to start levitating in the middle of the night and like possess me with its properties. That's proven like positive daily affirmations can change your life. So if you're like talking to the crystal and be like, oh, like I want to, you know, be more like, I don't know, successful in life or like be more stable in my job. And that's something that you're telling yourself. Like, I truly think like you'll believe it and you'll bring it to yourself. Yeah. And not even that, like this job, I don't even think like this rock is a, it's a money rock. It's going to bring me money. And I go out to a crystal shop and I buy like a green rock and I think it's going to make me rich. No, what you're supposed to do is look at the rock and be like, Hey, you know what? This represents focus. And for two hours a day, I'm going to take this rock out, put on my desk and it's going to remind me to like stay focused for those two hours. And every time I want to check my phone and go on Twitter, I go, Oh, hang on a second, just for two hours, just focus on what it is that you're doing. I love that. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Oh, there isn't. So come for me, white men. Come for me. <laughs> a shitty band t-shirt. Yeah. About crystals. Cause I'm waiting. I love that. Uh, Noor, thank you yeah. so much for doing this with me. Oh, thank you for I'm having so me. excited, um, for our friendship to continue blossoming into new, I don't know. Thank you for doing this podcast. My, my pleasure. At 10.47 p.m. It went by so quickly. I don't even know. I feel like I just rambled. I don't even feel like. I feel what? Like talking, you know, I feel like we just, what? I just rambled, you know. You're getting in your own head. I thought it was fantastic. That's why you have guests on. I'm not coming on here to just talk about myself, you know. Um, it was been, it, it honestly, it's been so great. Like I, I loved having on Deborah and Ali, but to have. Uh, I guess a comedian that you talk to very frequently. Yeah. It was very fun for me and I I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm going to call you as soon as you end the Zoom call so we can have some more conversations.